Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Burton. At time of recording, I'm 67 years old, and just this year I was diagnosed as autistic. This is my story. Well, here we are, having established I was a weird little boy. I was shy. I was sensitive. I always felt within myself a kind of otherness. And I'm grateful for the family in which I was a part because I recognise that they gave me a lot of gifts. Uh, They gave me a place where I felt secure and happy for those early years. So I'm going to tell you about some of the things my parents did for me. I thank God and genetics that I was smart. I was always in the top three, sitting in the back row. This did not fill me with any particular pride, nor did I look down on those in the front. This was just the way life was, and you didn't think about it much. Speaking of genetics, let's look at the DNA scraps I picked up from my parents' table. Intelligence. I wish I could say I was responsible for being reasonably bright, but I can't. Both my mother and father were intelligent, constant readers. Despite their poor formal education, which was standard for their time, Dad especially pulled himself up by his bootstraps by voracious reading and becoming fascinated by Egyptology. I remember his notebooks full of hieroglyphics, beautifully copied with their phonetic counterparts written in his perfect penmanship. My father taught himself to read ancient Egyptian, and by the age of about ten, he had taught me. He loved art and music and literature, and he knew all about it too. He knew Greek and Roman myths, and he retold them to me as bedtime stories from around the age of five. It was a bit like having Stephen Fry as your dad. Reading. Closely allied with intelligence was the love of reading. We all read. Every Friday night after Dad came home, we'd go off to the library, me in my pyjamas, slippers and dressing gown. The library was a place of pure magic for me, and my father led me to books he wanted me to read. Through primary school, I read all the Biggles books, My father led me to Sherlock Holmes at an early age, whom I loved. It's no coincidence that many feel that Sherlock Holmes was autistic. I read classics like Treasure Island and Kidnapped, and my imagination let me live in those worlds of adventure and honour for hours at a time. These were nice places, and you can imagine yourself the hero and I could get lost in them. Of course, boys and their fathers have this thing going too. Dad always wanted me to read Dickens. He absolutely begged me to. Consequently, I never did. 
except for the Christmas one, you know, the one with Scrooge McDuck. He wanted me to read the Hornblower novels really badly. He kept giving them to me as gifts. I never did. Being a father to several sons myself now, I know I must repeat this ritual, recommending books to my eldest, who is an author himself, that I know he will never read. I'm okay with this. It's part of the role description. I recognize my own karmic debt to my late father, and I will read anything my son recommends to me. He doesn't know about this twisting cord that joins father to child and on and on. But he will. Music. After dinner, nearly every night, we would sit in the kitchen as a family, mum, dad, my sister, my brother and I, and dad would get out his guitar and we would all sing together. This was in the early 60s and dad had caught the folk bug, so we'd sing 17th century ballad and the likes, uh, interpreted by the latest big folk acts like the Kingston Trio. It was here I learned to sing harmony, almost against my will, the song was a simple oldie called Down in the Valley. He'd given me my notes and would relentlessly keep repeating the song until I got it right. I was insanely angry by the end. But today, I can find a harmony and sing it by ear. So, thanks, Dad. The Record Collection While not technically DNA-related, I feel I should mention this. As I've said before, Dad was a radio announcer with his own shows at a radio station that shall remain nameless, mostly because I don't want them to find me and sue me. Radio stations had their own record library. I think Dad misunderstood the concept of the word library. Once records made it home to us, home is where they stayed. We had hundreds. Just like books, Dad had music he was determined I should listen to. So there I was, listening to Frank Sinatra, while Dad urged me to listen to his unique breath control as he sang that he learnt from the Tommy Dorsey band. It's a memory that still brings me a smile. And then there was Pete Seeger. Pete, that great American folk music banjo-playing icon, captured my soul. Next to my father, he is the male who has had the greatest influence on my life. To this day, I still dream from time to time about playing and singing with Pete. I wake up from those dreams feeling refreshed and fulfilled. He had the remarkable talent of singing to an audience and getting them to join in three-part harmonies that he taught them, and the hall rang with thousands of voices singing of justice, peace and joy. I wanted to be Pete Seeger. I still do. In fact, I've wanted to be lots of other people. I've learned to be observant and chameleon-like, acted as another person. My camouflaging skills developed early. At various times, I've tried being Pete Seeger, Hawkeye Pierce from M.A.S.H., James Stewart, Humphrey Bogart, and Harpo Marx. I was never convinced of my own humanity and preferred to find it outside myself. There is a Kurt Vonnegut short story called Who Am I This Time? And it's about a meek and mild person who has little personality of his own. His name is Harry Nash. 
It turns out he joins the local amateur dramatic society and is a fantastic actor who takes on the character of whomever he plays. A young woman notices this and brings him plays to read with characters she loves. She has these constant romances with him as he lives out these chosen characters with her. I read this story 45 years ago, and I can remember exactly where I was. This was my life, and subconsciously at least, I knew it. Sensitivity. Whether it is a blessing or a curse, I do not know, but I am a sensitive soul. I am moved to tears, frequently, more frequently now as I get older, sometimes by incredible beauty, sometimes by the suffering of others, and sometimes by ads for toilet paper with cute puppies. I have the soul of an artist. Sometimes I'd like to give it back to them. Kurt Vonnegut said artists were like the canaries in a coal mine that miners took down to the mines to warn them of deadly gas. The canaries would die long before the miners would uh, notice that poisonous air. I am a canary. And it's stuffy and dark down here and I have a nasty cough. Vision. Remember I'm sitting in the back row? By about grade three, my teachers noticed I made errors copying from the board. They suggested to my parents that I get an eye test. Yep, not only was my vision not that great, I'm short-sighted, it turns out I had nystagmus. Nystagmus is a hereditary condition characterized by the involuntary oscillating repetitive movements of the eyes. Mine were from side to side. My brain, struggling to compensate, tried to keep up with this constantly shifting visual field by making my head move from side to side, too, involuntarily. Only a little bit. Barely noticeable. But, of course, later in high school, it would be just another thing to add to my weirdness, another way to stand out as other, another convenient handle for bullies. More on this later. Our genetic inheritance play such an enormous role in our lives. Of all the times in history, you were born in this one. Of all the places in the world, you were born in this one. Of all the families in the world, you were born into this one. Of all the cultures in the world, you were born into this one. Of all the genders and sexual orientations, you were born with this one. You are one of a kind, a rare gem. All of this means that right from birth, you have certain doors open to you while others are closed. As you grow, experience and change, more, do more doors close and your almost, but not quite, limitless futures dwindle down. This sounds a bit depressing, but remember, you are a rare gem. Life experience and choice I like the cutting and polishing of a gem to make it less of a stone with potential and more of a work of art. Conscious people are active in creating their own work of art from their lives. Through my life, I have always found solace, comfort and insight in expressing myself through artistic means, 
now for a lot of my life, that was music and songwriting. And more lately, it's become poetry. Um, and so every once in a while, I'd like to read you some of this stuff to give you some in, more indication in a different kind of way of the kind of person I am and the kind of experiences I had. This one is called Long Ago. Long ago, when we were small, we'd hear the pterodactyls call out across the swampy plain. I wish those times were back again, when all our wandering still led home again to a nice warm bed. Long ago, in ages past, a broom could be a mizzenmast, and blankets stretched between two chairs made a cubby safe from bears, and lying there, our heart beat slow. We'd listen to the radio. Long ago, the library was a treasure house, you see, for books, I feel I must explain, was sort of software for the brain, each a magic carpet ride to all the worlds they held inside. Long ago, you may not care, when we played our feet were bare. We'd leave our homes and disappear until our dinner time drew near, when we'd settle down and return in slippers and our dressing gown. Long ago is distant now. It's like a foreign land somehow, far across a shining sea and out of reach to you and me. For time is like a river flow and only knows one way to go. Let's remember that in those days, uh, we'd never heard of autism. Uh, neurodiversity was <laughs> yet to be invented. And so I think many of us took upon our shoulders the weight of being different and sort of assumed it was our fault. And the bullies that we experienced through our life added to that and trauma that uh, really tore at us, I think, uh, made us behave in ways that, in my own case, uh, were less than admirable, particularly as a young man. Um, and music was also a way of me coping with that, uh, doing something with that. So I, if you won't mind, I will play you a song that I wrote about how I felt throughout my life, I think, for the longest time until I began to understand the kind of person I really was. On the way 
all I can offer, all I can say. Twas all for the fire in my mind. And I know you were wounded, I know that it's true. If I could heal it, that's what I would do. But we can't return, we can only go through all of this fire in my mind. Life is a journey of that. But its purpose I cannot divine All I can tell you is part of its sign Is all of this fire in my mind And I've wished I was other, I wished I was free, but now I'm content with the man I must be. There's lessons to learn, and they're waiting for me, all in the fire in my mind. Don't be concerned, we can't. Scars of the hard gifts we earned on the road, and it's part of my burden, it's part of my load. All of this fire in my mind, and it's part of my burden, and part of my load. Thank you for listening. Uh, next time, we'll talk about trauma and its effect on my autistic life and probably its effect on yours. Uh, and being a sensitive soul, um, the outcome of this is uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, <clears throat> which I'll explain more about next time. And uh, we'll go from there. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.